Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What are five extra things, we'll call it 10 things really, that I do before I depart on an instrument flight? Hey, M0A Nation, Jason Shepard here, M0A.com. You are listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by, well, it's our brand spanking new online ground school, new instrument pilot course, new learning management system. Many of you are already inside of it. Those of you that are not, I promise we'll be getting you in there soon uh, with everything. Be just checking out m0a.com for regular updates on that. Most of our customers, you're already in there. We'll be accepting new members in there so soon. We're just so blessed and thankful for your patience and helping us to work and get through all of that. m0a.com to check that out and learn more. I am a little bit sad. I'm a little bit sad that the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge has uh, gracefully come to an end. I bug uh, Coach Ray. Coach Ray, you all know, edits uh, all our social media videos. And I've been bugging him lately saying, Coach Ray, you know, everybody has loved this 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge. All, all told, if you add up all the views across all 31 videos between YouTube and Facebook and all the different outlets, it's over a million views in the month of January. How crazy is that? Now, how many of you out there counted, you know, you, if you watched every video, that counts as 31, right? So it becomes exponential eventually, but across every video, across every channel and medium we posted on, a million some odd views. Like talk about playing full out. I mean, it's outstanding. So I've been bugging Coach Ray, saying, Coach Ray, this has been so successful. Maybe we should do this every January which I think he likes the idea, but it also gives him more gray hair. So I'm not totally positive which one it's going to be. But anyways, uh, all this February through our podcast, and remember, we publish four podcasts, the Private Pilot Podcast, the Instrument Pilot Podcast, which you're listening to right now, the Commercial Pilot Podcast, and the CFI Podcast. Now, if you're not into podcasts, you could be watching this right now on YouTube or Facebook, because I make this into a video uh, as well, so you all can watch that there. If you'd rather just watch that there and listen in the background while you work. It doesn't bother me how you consume the content. What's important to me is that you do consume the content, because... We're on a mission to create safer, smarter pilots. That was the whole purpose of the Safer Pilot Challenge. I hope you saw that was 31 very, I don't wanna say high level because we wanna be humble with this, but it was 31 awesome videos. And you know what, I didn't make them awesome, the team made them awesome through the technology, through the edits, through everything that they did, the marketing to make that all happen. I hope the content was satisfactory to the level of production uh, that put that out there. So I don't care how you consume all of this. All I care is that you do. And remember also, and gosh, I am getting on a soapbox now, and that's a that's a common Jasonism, says uh, says Eric Deagle and a few of our, our awesome members out there who made Jason bingo not too many in-flight coffees ago. Um, I'm getting on a soapbox, but it's so true that knowledge isn't power. Knowledge is potential power. You can watch the whole 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge, but if you don't go out and act on the things and the philosophies and the concepts inside of the Safer Pilot Challenge, it's on deaf ears, right? Who all knows somebody that's super, super smart, but couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag? Who knows somebody? Let's let's give it some more depth. 
who knows somebody who can tell you all about finances and how to manage them and how to budget and be so good with that. But you look at their own finances and their own personal life and it's in disarray. It's the cobbler's kids don't have shoes kind of syndrome here that we deal with. So that's why it's so important. Knowledge isn't power. Knowledge is potential power. And I want you to continue with that mindset. So I'm picking, I'm not even calling them my four favorite videos. I'm picking really your favorite videos from the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge based on your engagement, your views, and spelling those out a little bit more. And for the Instrument Pilot Podcast today, this is appropriate. If you're watching this on video, I have my a shirt that is just all low and root charts all over it. Like I'm like, I'm a super like aviation geek when it comes to this sort of stuff. Anyways, I, I'm, I'm rambling now. I want to share with you in case you weren't able to watch the video, the five things I do before every IFR flight. And then I'm going to expand on those with five more to make it a total of 10. So just to recap, because repetition is the mother of skill. And maybe even though you already watched this video, you already watched the video. However, Hearing it again is going to take that from knowledge and power, knowledge is potential power and help you to act on it. So the five things I shared in the Saver Pilot Challenge, I want to say it's day eight. I'm looking across the studio at my notes uh, on another computer. I think it's day eight here. The first is this, always file to a fix. I always file to a fix on an approach. If I am flying from Ocala to Palm Beach International, PBI, I am not going to file OCF PBI. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to file OCF to a fix, an initial approach fix on the approach I believe they'll be using when I arrive at PBI. Why? Because if I go 7,600, if I go lost comms, I need ATC to know where I'm going, what approach I'm shooting. If I just file OCF PBI, they're going to know I'm going to PBI, but PBI has how many different runways, including parallel runway operations, how many different ILS, GPS, localizer only, VOR approaches, how many approach options do I have at PBI? My iPad's dead over here, otherwise I'd look it up for you. It's a lot. I bet it's more than 10, if I had to guess, honestly. So... Rather than shutting down all of PBI, which they may end up doing anyways, that's a question for controller Bob. And even if they do that, I'd like them to at least know where am I going. And when they know where I'm going, they can properly vector traffic out and around me. Two was I brief approaches on the ground. I hate this notion of student pilots, and we're all student pilots, who go out and wait until they're hurtling through the sky at 90 to 100 knots. They're 10 minutes out from, from getting shot, you know, shooting the approach. They're already getting vectored. They wait till then to brief the approach. It's okay to do a rebrief then, but you should have already read and briefed this approach on the ground ahead of time. That's what I'd prefer you to do. Three was I review my stars and DPs ahead of time. I've had this trip me up before. I used the example several times in the Safer Pilot Challenge of the Citrus One departure out of Orlando. I didn't know what the Citrus One was. I just got a IFR clearance says depart via the Citrus One. I'm thinking, oh wow, now I need to go. Now I'm sitting here. It's August. The line guy in front of me, you know how the line guys come out there to start you up and they stand in front of you to wait till you, you know, taxi out of Shelter or Atlantic or Signature, whatever FBO you're at. I always feel bad making the line guys wait there forever, but they do. It's their job. 
And I'm like, man, now I gotta look up the citrus one. If I would have taken the time knowing I'm likely to get a star in to where I'm going or a DP departure procedure out of where I'm going, well, from that standpoint, I would know that ahead of time. I would know the weird fixes along that, the weird altitude constraints and requirements well ahead of that. And all the weird spellings, because sometimes these spellings are weird on our DPs and on our stars with that. Four, I like to figure out my frequencies in advance. If you watched in the Safer Pilot Challenge where we practiced some IFR radio clearances, one of the things I shared in your CRAFT acronym is the F in CRAFT for frequency often can be solved ahead of time with a little bit of research on your part. What is, usually there's only one and only approach or departure frequency out of a particular airport. It could be easy to know. It could just... It could be found in the U.S. chart supplement. It could be found on ForeFlight. It could be found just by asking pilots around the FBO, hey, what frequency do you typically, typically get on the way out of here? It's that kind of beneficial information that can serve you with that. One less thing to have to copy down. One less thing to have to program at the last minute that I can pre-program into my Avidine or into my Garmin unit, my GPS unit, my, my Navcom, whatever it is. And the fifth and final thing was, and I hope this was a game changer for many of you who haven't been doing this, is I like to preview my route ahead of time. Preview my route ahead of time. So what I do, I file OCF to a fix on the approach at PBI. I wait a little bit. I then go to my phone. I hop on um, FlightAware and I look, use a service like FlightAware. You could use FlightRadar24. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not loyal to either one of these brands. I go on there and I can type in 23 Zulu and it shows my routing that I'm going to receive. So here I am at in the comfort of my own home about to head to the airport and I can look and go, oh, they're gonna take me OCF Victor 441 to Lakeland, then to PBI. I now know my routing. So when I'm writing out my craft clearance, I could even write ahead of time. I already looked at the frequency, 18.6. I already look up, okay, Victor 441 Lakeland direct get that as my clearance. I can just put a check next to it. No more writing down. And I'm thinking and staying ahead of this airplane. This also helps me with all those weird IFR fixes. My goodness, the spelling of these IFR fixes is perhaps the most confusing aspect of things. Um, I shared on the IFR radio communications live stream I did last month. You can go find it on YouTube or Facebook. Um, Jan if you're listening to this later, January 2021, just go to our YouTube or Facebook kind of in that time frame. There's a lot of videos posted because it's during the Safer Pilot Challenge. But um, it's in the middle to late uh, part of January. I can't remember the exact date. But I did IFR Radio Communications live and shared about that. And in there, I, I share more about um, how I got a fix called Baron. They said, proceed direct Baron with no spelling. Thought, okay, I don't need to ask for spelling. How else would you spell Baron? Like the airplane, right? B-A-R-O-N. Well, I was flying in Florida. B-A-R-O-N is a fix somewhere out west. I'm like, that's not it. I ended up, thankfully, the Avidine knows I can type in B-A and it finds all the fixes near me that would make sense that start with a B-A and it was like B-A-I-R-N. Not exactly how I would have spelled Baron, but that was the that was where they were taking me. That was the fix. So it was interesting. So I share all that to say those are the five from the video. And hopefully, repetition's the mother of skill. Hearing those again, that really works uh, to help you and pays off with that. Here's five more 
to make it 10 things I do before an IFR flight. Don't limit yourself to these 10. I would love to read in the comments. And I, by the way, I read all the YouTube comments, all the Facebook comments. A lot of those replies on there are from myself as well, not just the team, but everybody on 33 team members on M0A, everybody reads those comments. You all, gosh, you all think you're learning. We're the ones that are really learning in this process. So I, I took some of your ideas and then also read the comments and leave me some comments on this one. Let's keep another thread going with this theme on Facebook, on YouTube. If you're watching this, you can always email in. I love getting feedback from you all. And don't think just because someone else on the team responds to it that I don't see it. I see every little comment, every little support ticket that goes in. The team sends me, we use a, a messenger service called Slack and everything gets to me. So don't, don't feel like it's falling on deaf ears. Here's the five extras. So we'll just start from six since I just shared five. Six is Pyreps. M0A Nation. Show of hands, if I could see you, if it was a live stream, if this was like in-flight coffee, I always say, hey, who, uh, type in me in the chat, I always say, has given a pie rep before. It's not many, unfortunately. M0A Nation, you can be a weather source to other pilots. You can be that asset who helps other pilots out. Give pie reps. Be a blessing to others. I love pie reps. It's an area I focus on in my weather briefs because... This is this is weather reports from the trenches is how I look at a PIRAP. It's incredible. And I, I do care the type of aircraft that's given it. I value a PIRAP differently if it's a 737 versus it's a Piper Archer. A Piper Archer is just more relevant to what I'm flying, right? Because light turbulence in a Piper Archer is probably nothing for a 737. But light turbulence for a 737 means a lot to me. So don't neglect just because it's an aircraft that's certainly out of your wheelhouse or category in class that it doesn't apply to you because it can very much apply to you and oftentimes does. So I just need you to be smart and be mindful of that uh, really throughout the process that we're understanding that. So, and by the way, that's that's a turbulence example, but I hate to break it to you, ice is ice. Ice doesn't care if you're 737, ice doesn't care if you're a Piper Archer. Now, the values may be different. What may be trace ice for a 737 might be light or moderate for your Archer, but it doesn't negate the fact that ice is still up there. And now we have a factor called known icing conditions, and I hate to break it to you, you can't fly in known icing conditions, I would imagine based on the general aviation aircraft you're flying. The 99% of you are not flying in known icing conditions. And probably 100% of you don't wanna fly in known icing conditions anyways. Six is I like to look at pie reps, which leads me perfectly into seven, which is I like to look at every air met. You know, we have air mets and sig mets and the, the verbiage that we teach, it's not wrong, but it's not perfect. We teach that Sigmets apply to all aircraft, and that's true. Airmets only apply to some aircraft, usually us and the smaller aircraft. But I can tell you, many of the M0A.com team members fly for major airlines, and they look at airmets too, and they know it. And some airmets jump out to me more than others. I look at the size of the airmet. I look at how long that airmet has been valid. If I have an airmet Sierra that's been there for three days, the next place I'm going is the prog chart because I'm going, huh, this is associated with a stationary front. If this airmet's been there for three days, it's probably not going anywhere. So I look at things like that. It's just, it's beyond, okay, an airmet Zulu icing, I'm not going flying. Check, got it. That's easy. But things like an airmet Sierra, 
Is it for IFRs, for mountain obscurations, for starters? Airmet uh, Tango for turbulence. All right, I'm looking at that. What altitudes as well? That's important to me. And how long has that been there? Length of the Airmet is important to me. Because you may just have a nasty stationary front, a nasty trough, a nasty load that's just sitting there causing this Airmet Sierra for like three days. And if it's not going anywhere, it's just that. It's not going anywhere. So you need to be mindful of that. Um, that was seven. Let's look at eight. I like to look at other routes. Because back to point number five, preview my route ahead of time, OCF, Victor 441, Lakeland, PBI. We've all been in the situation, and if you haven't been in the situation yet, you will, where you taxi on out, and to the Mike Zulu, I have an update for you. To the Mike Zulu, I have an amendment to your routing. When you're in flight, it just happens. Like I got the amendment to bear an intersection. I like to look at other possibilities, other routings, because this helps me, number one, with the spelling of these weird IFR fixes and other possibilities of where they might take me. Also, if I get some really crummy vectors, I know what I can ask for. Obviously, we all want direct at the end of the day, but sometimes it is nice to know other possibilities, other routes there as well. Number nine is really the day before prep. VFR pilots, and I hope there are VFR-only pilots listening to this as your aspiring instrument pilots, just so you know and understand that the day before prep can happen, whether you're a student pilot or a seasoned airline transport pilot, this doesn't matter. I like to go out to the airplane the night before. If you have such a luxury in a club or even in a positive renting environment where you're the next to fly it, I love to go and I'll do a pre-flight on the airplane a full pre-flight. And guess what? I'm still going to pre-flight the next day. Many of you heard the story of the gentleman who went, had a really early flight. It was like 4 a.m. He was going to leave in the morning, um, said, honey, we're going to go out the night before. We're going to pre-flight the airplane. He and his, his wife, his spouse went out, pre-flight the entire airplane. Everything looked good, fueled the plane up, shut the hangar, went home, went to bed. That night, the irony, ready? That night, Somebody broke into his row of T-hangers, drained the fuel from every airplane down the row and down the backside row. He went out. Well, I pre-flied the night before, so everything must be good. Went out, had an engine failure on takeoff because of fuel exhaustion and had an engine failure on takeoff at night because it was like four in the morning. Very thankful to have survived such a thing. Wondered how he ran out of fuel. It wasn't until other people showed up at the airport, realized that whole hangar row had been out of fuel when they all knew they had fuel and security footage caught the gentleman sneaking in and stealing fuel. I'll pre-flight the night before, but I'll pre-flight the day of just as thoroughly as well. I just like to go out and catch anything. Catch like my database is out. My charts are out. I will fuel up the plane. I'll still check it and sump it the next day, but at least it's full. You know, I'm not fumbling around. I'm not rushed. Gosh, I hate being rushed in all aspects of life, but I really hate being rushed trying to go fly an airplane. There's nothing can serve you with that. And really the 10th one, the final one, it sounds so basic. It's check ride prep really. It comes back to the I'm safe checklist. My friends, you shouldn't be up till 11 o'clock at night planning this flight out for an, for even a 7 a.m. wheels up time. You should be sleeping. You should be resting. You should be, obviously, per our regulations, avoiding alcohol, but avoiding uh, any kind of stimulant, caffeine that's going to keep you up and awake. Do whatever you need to to get 
your eight hours of sleep. And I say your eight hours of sleep because I'm weird. I can run on way less sleep. I, I'm a six and a half, seven hour sleep. In fact, if I get eight hours of sleep, and sometimes I need that, um, but oftentimes I'll go sleep like nine hours and I'll wake up feeling worse, even though I got more rest. Uh, you know, neuroscientists out there, sleep specialists, tell me why, because I don't, I don't know that answer, but that I just have, and you have to know your body and know what you're capable of. I also know my my schedule. I'm like, I'm really boring. I'm in, in bed by 8, 30, 9 o'clock, reading a book, no no looking at phones, no blue light, go to bed, and but I love waking up at 5 in the morning. Like, that's just me. You have to stick to your routines. You have to know what kind of food, melatonin, whatever you need, you have to be so rested because instrument flying and flying in general is a mental marathon of things. So we expanded. We're up to 10 now. Missouri Nation, what are some of yours? You already left so many amazing comments on the original Safer Pilot Challenge. Let's keep this going. YouTube, leave me some comments below. Facebook, leave me some comments below. We are a community and we are a community that serves and helps one another. So please don't hesitate to reach out with that. M0A Nation, you are amazing. Thank you for listening to this podcast, however you consume it. Thank you for making M0A one of the best. You're a blessing to us. Have an outstanding, amazing rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you.